Hello, my name is Tom Boone. And I'm Joanna Bailey. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Simple Flying Podcast, where we'll give you the lowdown on the latest news from the world of commercial aviation. Here's what we have for you this week. Coming up today, we'll kick off with a brief update of the biggest headlines in aviation from the past week, and then we're going to do something a little different. With United Airlines shaking things up with a huge aircraft order and other major changes, we're going to take a look at what's new and what this means for the future of the airline. To help us dive into this topic, we'd like to welcome back Simple Flying's lead journalist for North America, Jay Singh. Jay, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on. So before we move on to everything United Airlines, let's briefly touch on some of the biggest stories from the past week. So I wanted to let you go first, um, Joe, with... yeah. Our webinar. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I couldn't. I couldn't let a podcast episode go by without recapping our lovely webinar that took place last week. Um, hopefully, you guys listened in. If you didn't, why not? Um, but we had, of course, the CEOs of both Play, the new Norwegian uh, Icelandic airline, and Fly Pop, um, a new UK airline that's planning to start up soon. Um, mm. So I've talked about Play quite a lot actually in recent weeks. Um, so I thought this time I'd talk about Fly Pop instead. Now this is an airline that wants to fly low cost to India using A330s from UK airports. Um, and during the webinar, their CEO, Nino Judge, revealed that they've actually already signed an agreement with London Stansted. I mean, this choice of airport wasn't a real big surprise because mm. they already have their headquarters there. So that kind of gave it away. <laughs> but it is an excellent choice. It is. It's Tom's favourite airport. So uh, he even has a badge to prove it. <laughs> mm. So, uh, and I bought it for him, actually. <laughs> That's how but, you know. <laughs> as well as India, um, Flypop is eyeing pretty much anywhere within 10 hours of Stansted. So, you know, Nino's got some really high ambitions for this airline. Um, but for India specifically, he believes he can offer fares from as low as £99 from the UK. That's around $137. So that is a lot of flying for not very much money. Um, and he says the reason that he can do these flights so cheaply is due to the unique benefits that the pandemic has brought. So, for example, he's managed to get his A330s apparently at incredibly low rates. Um, mm. He commented, four for the price of one. <laughs> so, uh, so that's helping, obviously, drive down the cost of getting started up. Um, the other thing is he's not burdened by debt, which obviously a lot of our legacy airlines are going to be for quite some time. Um, and he's very focused on flying full planes, but also says that he's going to plant one tree for every single passenger that flies with the airline. And he reckons this lets them fly carbon neutral so uh, we'll see about that but uh, by 2026 carbon negative it. didn't he carbon negative that's right yeah. because he said uh, a, a tree takes up enough carbon for 10 hours of flying mm. so if you fly to india which is less than 10 hours you're actually capturing more carbon over mm. the lifetime of that tree than you used on your flight but uh, obviously it's a delayed process but yeah. um yeah a nice ambition anyway and then by 2026 he hopes to fly to south america and africa um but right now he's just working towards getting his first plane off the ground because they haven't launched yet but uh, yeah. hopefully that's coming in october um as with all the other ambitions we'll just have to wait and see tom <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, I'm keen to see them flying from Stansted, but um, I thought a couple of sort of 
important stories that we needed to cover briefly this week were um, I only want to talk about one crash, but it seems I'm going to have to talk about two now. So um, we'll start back on July 2nd. The Boeing 737 cargo aircraft off of uh, Hawaii ended up losing both of its uh, engines. It was a Dash 200 operated by Rhodes Aviation and it ended up ditching in the sea. And at the time, we assumed it uh, safely ditched um, where the aircraft lands a bit like Miracle on the Hudson, but yeah. um, the more I read about it, it sounds like maybe it didn't because I read today that um, one pilot was found clinging onto the tail of the aircraft and another was found clinging onto floating boxes. So, oh my goodness. Um, thankfully, both of the pilots on board survived. We don't know sort of what state they're in, but um, the NTSB is preparing to interview them. So clearly yeah. they're conscious, um, which is thankful after such an incident. And bear in mind, this all happened at night. So uh, I don't know if you guys have, have been flying over the ocean at night, but it's it's hard to see how high you are, even, even above ground, yeah. you know, um, <laughs> it's hard to see how high you are. So it's an incredible outcome that um, both of the pilots uh, survived. It seems like the airplane didn't, but you know, it's too early to sort of start saying what happened, what didn't happen. We've kind of got to wait for the official the NTSB um, yeah. result on that. Very unusual but, to lose both engines like that, though. Yeah, I mean, it's quite an old aircraft, though. Um, so with the really tiny sort of cigar engines, it's, um, I forget how old exactly. I think it was 45.98 years old. So it, oh. it's certainly been around for a while. Um, yeah. <laughs> Even older than me. (laughs) Yeah, even older than me as well. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so I thought that was all I was going to talk about in terms of crashes. But then today, as we record this, an Antonov AN-26 crashed in Russia. And again, it was only today, so I don't really have all the details yet. Um, At the time, it was presumed to have crashed into the sea, but it seems as uh, more and more details come out, it looks like it might have flown into the side of a cliff about five kilometers away from the airport or so. and interestingly, I was reading on um, the Av Herald that apparently a similar incident happened with the same type of aircraft in uh, 2012. It seems like all 28 on board, so that's uh, 20 passengers and six, 22 passengers and six crew didn't survive, sadly. But oh, um, shame. you know, this is definitely one that we're going to have to watch and update because it's it's really too too soon to say what's happened at the time of recording this podcast. Hmm. Sad times, sad times. Mm. But uh, a miracle that those two pilots survived from the 737. Yeah. And, uh, you know, obviously our thoughts are with anyone affected by the Antonov tragedy. That's uh, that's yeah. one I'll be interested to see the reports from because uh, mountains are big things. Mm. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. It, it didn't look like a huge mountain. It looked like sort of just like a cliff at the seaside, but um, oh, okay. it's still not ideal. No, absolutely. Well, I wanted, before we head into talking with Jay... Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about what's going on in the US. Um, Mm. So there's really been an uptick in domestic flying. Um, You know, there there was some massive demand over Independence Day weekend in particular. And in general, domestic flying is just about back to 2019 levels. I mean, obviously, international is still very suppressed. Mm. Um, But uh, on the 1st of July, actually, more passengers passed through TSA checkpoints than they did on the same day in 2019. So it's... 
Yeah, it was, um, you know, there's multiple days in the past couple of weeks that have broken the two million passenger threshold. So as you might expect, with everything coming back so quickly, there have been some disruptions. Um, It was a a couple of weeks ago now, American Airlines had to cancel a number of services, which was largely due to understaffing. Hmm. Um, And now Southwest Airlines is actually looking to pay some really generous bonuses for people willing to work overtime in July. Um, So the weekend before Independence Day weekend, Southwest Airlines also had to cancel some flights. Um, It was something like 720 cancelled across the network. Plus, there was another like over 3,000 that were delayed. Um, Hmm. And this was all because they basically didn't have enough people to run the operations as they needed to. Um, So in a bid to to avoid this happening again, the airline's offering double pay to its ground workers, its flight attendants, and it's trying to broker a similar deal with its pilots to get them back on track. You Hmm. know, and I think it's really interesting to watch what's happening in the US as travel comes back because this really is a problem yet to be felt here in Europe you know our very stringent and ever-changing travel restrictions means Mm. that you know any sort of meaningful intra-European recovery is still a long way away although Um, you know I think it's getting slightly closer now with the green pass and um, maybe not so much for you over in the UK um, but you (laughs) know I think (laughs) yeah in our little sort of European Union bubble things are starting to get off again Yeah, I mean, they did say that uh, 19th of July is a freedom day in the UK and all restrictions will be removed. But he hasn't quite specified whether that means that the green list will be abolished. Mm. I don't think it will somehow. But uh, anyway, I do think perhaps it's interesting to watch what's happening in the US. And maybe our airlines should be taking note, um, because if there is a massive summer surge, I think we're going to be faced with exactly the same problems. Well, almost certainly, because I remember a few weeks back, we were reporting how British Airways had brought low of staff back from furlough and had to send them right back again because the UK, instead of making its green list 10 times bigger or even like five even twice as big you know would have been amazing but instead it got smaller with Portugal coming off after two weeks or so so it's crazy but one airline that is looking to the future in Europe is Air Belgium and we know these as our wonderful lovely A340 carriers (laughs) who It's just a bit of a perplexing model how they love the 340 so much when everyone else can't get rid of it quick enough. Um, But it seems that actually um, Air Belgium has now come around because last week they signed... So they signed an agreement and it's not totally news that they were going to sign the agreement. But what is news is that it's all official now. Um, They've signed an agreement with Airbus to take two new Airbus A330neos, so the Dash 900s, with the two engines instead of four. And Mm. it's interesting because it said it's going to get its first one in operation by mid-October. And you can't sign an agreement in July for a brand new aircraft in October. So it seems like these are actually whitetail aircraft that um, Airbus has had quite a bit of trouble with because they were (laughs) initially meant to go to Air Berlin before that collapsed. And then (laughs) they managed to get them to go to Rwanda. But then I think they got liveried up and everything for Rwanda, didn't they? They were pretty much ready to go. And as you reported last year in September, September, Rwanda said we don't want the free 30 Neo or the Max. So it looks like <laughs> they've finally found a home. And I'm assuming I'm not 
100% certain on the exact sort of financials of the deal. But from my understanding, they're currently leasing the 340s from Airbus Financial Services. So I imagine there's going to be sort of an element of it would probably be more expensive to lease, but there's probably going to be like a swap element rather than any financial penalties of getting rid of the aircraft. Yeah. Um, but it's going to have sort of the typical um, cabin that you're used to with the business class premium economy and economy. And yeah, we just got to wait and see on that one um, how yeah. it turns out. I can't wait. Um, I can't wait to see the livery. I think it's going to look great on the 330, especially with the curvy wingtips. Well, I'm sure it is, but I am sad to see more 340s going because uh, mm. there's not that many left anymore and I do like them. <laughs> mm. Well, Lufthansa. Yeah, true, true, true. Just come come, come here, see them. <laughs> and we've Absolutely, got the when they left us out. Yeah, you do. <laughs> and mm. Maybe the A380 back, we'd never know. <laughs> well, you know, if you're willing to quarantine for five days, you can come now because from midnight, Merkel has taken the UK and Portugal and that off of the variant list. Oh, okay. Well, that's still five days indoors. That sounds quite miserable to me. But uh, anyway, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> so, Jay, I want to bring you in at this point because it was quite a week last week for United Airlines. You know, I think the first thing we really need to talk about is that enormous aircraft order. I think we'd all been expecting it. But why is United Airlines ordering brand new aircraft, 270 of them in the middle of a pandemic? Well, thanks for having me again. It's really all about gauge. Um, United Airlines, before the crisis, had a problem where most of its domestic aircraft are really small. And not necessarily small in the scale of, oh, they're 50-seaters or 70-seaters, but they're seating maybe 150, 160. They only had less than maybe about 200 planes that were in the 180 passengers north range Mm. for the domestic operations. And that just, it's inefficient at a hub. It's inefficient if you're trying to fly a lot of people from, you know, the eastern United States to the western United States and vice versa. So this was an opportunity for them, I imagine, at some pretty great deals and pretty great rates um, for a pandemic era order. But to start to right size that ship in and prepare for the post-crisis rebound. So just to recap, it was um, 200 new 737 MAX, is that right? And then 70 are the um, Airbus A321s. Yep. And the MAX order is broken into 50 of the MAX 8s and 150 of the MAX 10s. And this is about getting bigger. Sorry, mm -hmm. carry on, Tom. (laughs) Oh, no, um, I was going to ask, you know, like, obviously new airplanes, do they come with a new interior? What, What are passengers going to expect from inside? Well, we got a sneak peek at the MAX 8 uh, last week, and we reported on that. But quite frankly, the planes are stunning, and passengers are in for a real treat. The biggest news of the week is United Airlines is bringing back seatback entertainment, but that Mm. isn't all. Those seatback entertainments, you'll be able to connect your Bluetooth headsets to that. So if you've got your Bose, your Sony that you really like, or your AirPods, you'll be able to use those on a plane while watching United's off-road entertainment. Um, in addition, this is going to be really great for all of you who travel with carry-ons. United is debuting a one-to-one baggage ratio of carry-ons. It is guaranteeing that every passenger who can bring a carry-on will have dedicated room. So mm. in each overhead bin, you know, corresponding roughly to a row, you can put six bags in. Now, obviously, okay. your basic economy passengers who can't travel with a carry-on aren't necessarily going to benefit from that. But everyone else who has a carry-on, United is mm. saying you're going to have room for that. Okay. 
And I, I guess that's that's quite a problem in um, the US, I feel, from when I was there, that um, a lot of bags were being taken down to the hold. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and especially if you consider that you're going to have 180, 190 passengers in some of these planes hmm. and you don't have room for a lot of bags, sometimes you have people who are coming from a late connection, people who are running to the gate. And they get to the plane and they're searching for space. Then suddenly there's no space. You have to bring it mm. to the front. And it just adds time. It's No one really likes to deal with that. And if mm. you're flying with a carry-on, you probably want to access that at some point during the flight or else have it when you get off. Yeah. So this is really about being able to provide that for passengers. I remember British Airways A380 flights where I've been sat at the back in economy and my bag's been up the front in business class. So I can definitely <laughs> empathize. Your suitcase traveled better than you did. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> so I also heard that this idea of bringing the seat back screens and the Wi-Fi and the Bluetooth connectivity, this isn't just for the new aircraft. They're looking to put it on all of their mainline narrow bodies. Is that right? Absolutely. Um, it's only on the narrow bodies, as you said. So if you're flying a 787 or 777, you won't get the Bluetooth headphone pairing just yet. Um, but I would be surprised if United doesn't bring it to those aircraft. Hmm. So this is the retrofits are going to roll out on your 737s, your A320s, and probably your 757 300s. With the 321XLR coming, I don't think they're going to do anything with the 757 200s at the moment. Um, but really, it's it's going to be a huge deal for passengers. United expects to retrofit about two-thirds of its 500 narrow-body aircraft that fit the retrofit category wow. by 2023. Wow, and that's really quick. <laughs> it's very quick. It's much quicker than Polaris came out. Mm. Um, and it'll get to 99% by the summer of 2025. Although Toby Engfist at the event, he said that there's room that maybe it'll be the start of 2025 when they're at 100%, depending on schedules and operations and how things shake out. So this is going to be a massively quick rollout that'll really help standardize the product and give passengers a lot of benefits. That's really good to hear. So I guess um, with the new product and the new airplanes, um, we're going to see some sort of growth from the airline. Where can we expect United Airlines to go from here? Well, United Airlines was unique, if you remember, that they didn't retire any wide bodies during the crisis. So they're mm. actually sitting come June 2022 on 30 more wide bodies than they had in June 2019. Wow. So they're going to use that to grow out of their hubs. And then the 270 aircraft that they used, some of that's, or they ordered, excuse me, some of that will go toward replacing the smaller planes on routes. But they also plan on launching new, mainly domestic and short haul international routes with that. So expect a lot of hub growth. Newark is obviously, you know, as a New York area hub and is the place where they held the event. They're gearing up to do some big things out of Newark. They have work that they can do in Houston and um, D.C. and then San Francisco is an ever-growing market. So there's a lot hmm. of opportunities for them. That's really cool. And I think, uh, you know, so the message is if you're flying United short haul or on the narrow body side anytime soon, things are going to get a lot better. Much better. The Max 8 debuts July 15th and it's all uphill from there. Nice. Oh, I'm excited for them mm -hmm. and uh, can't wait to get over to the States and check them out myself when we're allowed. <laughs> Not if. that I'm bitter at all. <laughs> Hopefully soon. <laughs> Definitely. Thank you so much, Jay. That was really great to talk with, with you about United Airlines and uh, appreciate you coming on today. Thank you. Always a pleasure. Well, I think that's about all we've got time for today. We hope you enjoyed our podcast and welcome your feedback at podcast at simpleflying.com. 
For more great content, you can visit our website at simpleflying.com or find us on social media. Simply search for Simple Flying. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a rating on your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.